I'm Pastor Lisa, and I want to welcome you to worship on this beautiful Sunday morning. So nice to be in the house of the Lord, those of us who got to be here in person, and I hope that you online are enjoying yourself as well. We're glad you're here this morning. If you'll please stand and join me in the call to worship. Come and worship in wonder and awe. Let us seek the face of God. God invites us to come just as we are. We come longing to experience God's embrace. God wraps us in the loving arms of our Creator. We come hungry to encounter the Word. God feeds us the bread of life. We come parched for renewal and restoration. God quenches our thirst with living water. We come weary and worn. God shoulders our burdens and rests. Come and worship in wonder and awe. God reveals the divine self to us. We come as we are and are changed by God's love and grace. Glory, Glory to, God. to God. Amen. If you'll remain standing and sing with us, please. Please join me in our invocation prayer. Understanding and compassionate God, so often the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts do not seem acceptable in your sight. 
There is much about ourselves we find unacceptable. As we come to this place, grant us eyes to see through the lens of your surpassing love, the new creations of your grace that we are. Amen. You may be seated. So good morning again. I'm Pastor Peyton, and I'm excited to share with you this morning our pegs. So each week we talk about ways that we can pray, engage, give, and serve, right? So for those of you online and for those of you here, today's pegs is going to include all of those things. And it's going to be a little stretch because you know how my brain works, but here's how it goes. We are working on a project called Souls for Now. And the idea was that during the time of Lent, 40 days, 40 pairs of shoes per household. Now, I know many of you are saying, I don't have 40 pairs of shoes. Well, believe it or not, neither do I. It may seem like I do sometimes, but I don't. But here's how we thought this could work. If part of our praying and engaging of this time of Lent for our souls for now would be to pray for our world, our community, and our church while engaging our neighbors and friends, see how that works? to collect shoes that they no longer need. We don't want the ones off their feet. We only want the ones that they're not using. Gently used, really used, kids' shoes, adult shoes, shoes that you thought were cute when you put them on and they weren't so cute when you got home. All of those work, because here's what this does. So that's the pray and engage part, right? And so, and by giving them, it also allows us to do a fundraiser for our ministries here in the church, but, it also gives us a chance to serve other countries, other neighbors, other families and communities. So what happens with these shoes, it is called Recycle Shoe Project. These are all over the place in case you need a way to explain to your neighbors what you're doing. Um, please grab some, we have more. But it gives us a chance to collect these shoes send them to other countries where it provides jobs for families to help provide for their family, as well as shoes for those in the country who need them. So how cool is that? Here's a project that gives us a chance to hit every single peg. We can pray, we can engage, we can give and serve. So the encouragement is over this time of Lent that as a family, if we can engage our community to collect 40 pairs of shoes each, drop them off, there's places, there's boxes, just get them here and we will take care of the rest. So that is our pegs, is Recycle Shoe Project, grab some things, share with your neighbors, bring your shoes. Even if they're a little stinky, it's all okay. We can fix everything. So with that, I'm gonna sit down and we're gonna have some special music.
come now to a time to silence our hearts a little bit and to take a breath and to rest at the feet of God. Let's bow our heads as we pray. God of love and grace, we know that our ways are not your ways. We know that the world that we live in is broken and in need of your grace and healing. Each and every place we turn, we see things that break our hearts and break yours. Father, we see war, we see fires and bombs and things destroyed. We, we see fires and earthquakes. We are touched by those who are sick with disease and those who are losing their lives, both naturally and through other ways. Father God, we come to you as our hearts break. We come to you and we ask that you would place your hand of healing upon our world. As it is spring today and we celebrate this newness of life and renewal in our nature and in our world as we see flowers bloom and birds sing and we get excited for the sunshine we are also seeking renewal and rebirth of our spirits, Lord. There are some days that the anxiety and the, the, the news and what is going on is so overwhelming, we don't know what to do next. Father, we pray for renewal of our faith and our spirit that you may pour out your grace upon us. Father God, fill us with your Holy Spirit that we may be filled with the fire of your mission in this world, that we may know and see as you see, and we may be the hands and feet of God in our community, in our households, in our church, and in our world. Lord, let us be people who are willing to act. We come before you with our prayers, lifting our joys and our concerns, our hopes and our dreams, of our lives that we may be also open to the voice that you pour into our souls 
Father, help us to see with new eyes, to hear with new ears, to seek the direction that you have for us. Bless us, O oh Lord, as we pray over this gathering of your people, both here in person and those who are online. We are one community, Lord. We are one with you. We are people of faith seeking to do your will and to live up to the purpose that you have for us. May we grow and flourish in your love and grace for the purpose that you have called this congregation of your church, that each and every one of us followers of Jesus may do your will in the world. Hear our prayers, O Lord, for those whose lives have touched us, for those who are in pain and those who are ill, those who grieve loss today. May we touch their lives not only through our prayers, but through our actions, through the way that we live, through the way that we pray, through the way that we love in your name. Guide us and bless us and lift us up and hold us that we are your children called for a purpose in this world. Hear our prayers, those we speak and those that are hidden in our hearts. And hear us as we pray together the way Jesus taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen.
may be seated. You can't beat that, right? God's grace. It's all good. So this morning's scripture um, is from Luke. It's 13, 1 through 9. And I want to share with you a little bit. Uh, so when I choose my scripture, I choose it about a month out. And then I start kind of making notes. And then the week before I preach it, I try to pull it together with a lot of prayer. And I want to share with you that I really wrestled with this scripture. In fact, I even said to Anne, what was I thinking when I chose this? Um, so you're going to wrestle with me this morning. We're going we're gonna to have some questions when we're done. And that's okay. This season of Lent is about waiting. It's about repentance. It's about wrestling with your heart and trying to get right with God. Um, so I think it's okay that we wrestle, that we don't have all the answers. Amen? At least I don't have all the answers. Y'all might have them. Please share them with me when we're done. So our scripture this morning. Some who were present on that occasion told Jesus about the Galileans whom Pilate had killed while they were offering sacrifices. He replied, do you think the suffering of these Galileans proves that they were more sinful than all the other Galileans? No, I tell you, but unless you change your hearts and lives, you will die just as they did. What about those 18 people who were killed when the tower of Siloam fell on them? Do you think that they were more guilty of wrongdoing than everyone else who lives in Jerusalem? No. I tell you, but unless you change your hearts and lives, you will die just as they did. Jesus told this parable. A man owned a fig tree planted in his vineyard. He came looking for fruit on it and found none. He said to his gardener, look, I've come looking for fruit on this fig tree for the past three years, and I've never found any. Cut it down. Why should it continue depleting the soil's nutrients? The gardener respo responded, Lord, give it one more year, and I'll dig around it and give it fertilizer. Maybe it will produce fruit next year. If not, then you can cut it down. Father God, Give us fresh eyes to see your word, fresh ears to understand it, and a genuinely changed heart to live it out. Amen? So prior to this in scripture, Jesus is speaking about judgment and end times. Easy stuff, right? He speaks about being watchful and about discerning the times that they live in. Sound familiar to anybody? Then this passage opens up with these two stories of disasters. Neither story appears in, in other places, in fact, not even in extra-biblical writing. But Pilate's killing, this massacre, seems in keeping with his personality, what we know about him, about his character. And Siloam was believed to be a part of the city wall near the pool, um, and perhaps it fell as they were, you know, had it under construction to shore up their water supply. We're not really sure. The crowd tells Jesus about Pilate killing the Galileans, and Jesus then responds with the story of his own, the one of the 18 killed at the Tower of Siloam. The crowd seems to be asking Jesus about judgment and about sin. Why did this happen to these Galileans seems to be their question. Did they die because they did something to deserve it? Are they responsible for their fate? We who live in this world full of, of catastrophe and war and chaos, 
and human atrocities and natural disasters, we ask the same kind of questions. At least I do. And I wrestle with them. Why did this happen? Now, is God punishing somebody? And, and it's almost like that story where Jesus um, heals the blind man. And somebody says to him afterwards, so who was responsible for this? Who's responsible for his blindness? Who sinned? Him or his parents? It's common to believe that your sin causes your suffering and even death, especially for catastrophic events. But Jesus is quick to respond rejecting that claim. He says about the blind man, neither of them, neither the blind man nor his parents sinned. And he tells them the Galilean sin had nothing to do with their faith, fate, just as the 18 at the tower that were lost. These people didn't die because they were worse sinners. They're sinners, just like all of us, me, you. Their deaths illustrate that judgment will happen to everyone because events like these can happen to anyone. All will be judged. All need to repent. And we don't know when. So Jesus says to them, change your heart. Change your lives. It's true, God will judge our behavior. Yet he offers us the opportunity to repent. It leaves us with an obligation to live trusting God. If we live in God's kingdom, it's not this little game that we play where we try to gain favor by our behavior. You know, if I write this check to this charity, it's one of God's favorites. He'll be good to me. It doesn't work like that, right? It's not tit for tat that way. And if I do something foolish or wrong, there's not always instant punishment. Thank you, God, for not giving me what I deserve. But we need to seek a relationship with God and trust in his goodness, his ultimate goodness. Jesus goes on further with his point in this little parable of the fig tree. This parable doesn't appear in Matthew or Mark, although there is um, that little section where Jesus curses a fig tree. Not the same tree. It's a different tree. So a man owned a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he goes to look for fruit, and he finds none. And he hasn't done this once. He's done it for several years. Talk about patience, right? And he never finds any. So he says, cut it down. Why am I wasting my resources? Why am I letting this useless tree use up what could be used by another tree that's good? And the gardener says, just give it one more year. I'll take care of it. I'll put some effort into it. I'll fertilize it. I'll make it work. And if it doesn't produce next year, then, then we can cut it down. This owner has been patient. Patient enough to wait for three years for this fruit to be born. But now he's done. He's done being patient. He wants to cut it down. It shares with us God's patience, but also that there's a judgment. It's going to happen. God wants for us to be genuinely changed hearts. Change is not always easy, though. Anybody who's done a New Year's resolution knows that change is not easy. Um, I remember, so I was foolish enough to start smoking as a teenager. Some of you might be right there with me. And... Um, when my husband and I moved down to Florida, he took a job on a police department and he was going through the academy. So they're doing those grueling runs and workouts and all these things, and he smoked too. 
you cannot do that if you're smoking. You know, you really just have to stop. So we vowed to, to support each other, and both of us vowed to quit. But it, t and I was a light smoker. Um, he was much heavier, but it took me probably six months to a year to not have that craving every time you went somewhere and smelled that smoke. So change takes a long time. It's not instant. I was reading through um, one of my magazines, and it, and it had this little resource that said there were three things that were basic for genuine change to be successful. Truth, care or love, and time. So change takes truth. Notice the owner. He says, this tree hasn't borne fruit. That's the hard truth. This is what it is. It's been three years. Nothing's happening. So how about you? Are you bearing fruit? Have you evidence of the fruit of the spirit, as it's called, right? Joy, love, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and maybe even a little self-control. Is there evidence in you of the fruits of the spirit? You need to search yourself to know what needs work. Um, you need to take the time to read the scripture, to get into God's word, to listen to him speak into your life. We can only change for the good if we're truthful to ourselves. And sometimes we need somebody else to point it out to us, right? To point out our truth. Um, I have a silly little one, and I already warned Joyce Cappy that she was going to be put on the spot in, in my sermon today. Um, I don't like to be corrected, I'll be honest. I hate correction. But I also hate to feel stupid and keep doing the same thing wrong over and over again. So it balances out in my life really well. And so remember when quinoa came out and it was all the rage and everybody was eating it? I kept calling it quinoa. Okay, so if you look at the box, that's what it says, right? Q-U-I-N-O-A, quinoa. And Joyce very gently said to me, you know it's not quinoa, right? And I said, what do you mean it's not quinoa? She says, Lisa, it says right on the box how to pronounce it, quinoa. Oh, thank you. Great. And in that second, I thought, but afterwards I so appreciate it because I'd still be calling it quinoa. And y'all be laughing at me behind my, did you hear her just say quinoa? Right? So thank you. You need a friend that you can trust that will tell you in love what your correction needs to be. Um, we're working through a study right now called When Making Others Happy is Making You Miserable. And that's one of her key points, that you have to have truth. Even if it's difficult, in the long run, it's a better solution. Um, and, and so do you have somebody that you can trust? Do you have somebody that's going to skip those white lies and half-truths and really tell you what you need to know gently and kindly in love? I don't want y'all going out pointing at each other going, do you know what you did? <laughs> Gently, kindly, in love. And God will, will use his truth to help you if you let him. It also takes care and love to make change successful. The gardener says, I'll dig around it and give it fertilizer. Change requires tending to. It just doesn't happen. It takes compassion, both yours extended to others and others poured into you. Do you have somebody that pours into you? Who are you pouring into? Who are you mentoring? Who are you helping to care for and grow so that they can change and become more Christ-like in their, in their life? 
it takes God's love, the truth of the gospel, and, and that promise that we have of the unrelenting compassion of Jesus Christ that serves to enrich hearts. So how are you tending to your soul? I have a core group of people that I can trust both to be truthful to me and to tend to me. How about you? And finally, change takes time. The gardener says, give it one more year. So I remember when I first started um, to become a Christian, an involved adult Christian, I should say. I was in my 30s, and um, it was the first time I had done a real Bible study. And, and coincidentally, it was called Jesus the Rabble Rouser. That was the guy I wanted to meet. It sounds fun, right? So I decided, you know how I get the earworms? My, my favorite way to worship is to sing God songs. Those of you who know me, you know this. This is the way I worship. And so I realized that at some point, I had these songs looping through my head that were not serving me well. They are fun songs, I'll grant you that, but they're not feeding me. And so I decided to try a Christian radio station. And I found one that was like contemporary Christian and a little more upbeat, um, but it took effort. Every time I got in the car, I promised myself I would listen to it for a few minutes. And so I would put it on and listen for a few minutes and then switch to something else. And I did it for a long time. And I kept saying to myself, you know, why is this so hard to make this simple little change? Well, now the first two stations on my radio are both programmed to Christian stations, and I almost never put on something else. It's just one of those things that just took time and repetition for me. And that might not be something that matters to you, but it mattered to me, and it was still that hard to change it. So change is not easy. It does take time. And I know I'm really good with um, children. You know, I really recognize that children need time, and they need our patience, and they need, you know, this care to bring them along to, to make changes. When I see my grandson Jack or my granddaughter Lucy struggling with a concept, I'll tell them 82 times, 83, whatever it takes. I'm going to keep saying it, right? But with adults, you get one or two and I'm done with you. I don't have that same level of patience. Unfortunately, I don't have the same level of patience with myself either, and perhaps you're with me. I get frustrated at myself that I can't just make this change happen. So we need to offer ourselves that same level of grace and patience that we would offer a child. Because isn't that how God sees us? We're his children. He wants us to succeed. Do we recognize our own need for patience? As members of God's family, we, we, we learn how to, to wield his truth and his love. His love through the gospel. And, and we've got to be those few people who practice this P word, this patience especially in a season like Lent, a season of waiting, we have to give things time. And we wait so that the people that we love can grow and catch up. And we learn to wait so the world can be as fruitful and as beautiful as God wants us to help make it be. But we do have to take notice that God does act. There is judgment. And that truth can help set us free, you know, as God's people, when we wonder, should we hold on to a particular situation? We have to feel free to set boundaries. 
We love people. We want to wait for them to grow and change. Yes, we're going to extend them truth and care and love and time, probably for longer than our first impulse to throw in the towel would be. But we don't wait forever. At some point, it's okay when we wish them well and we pray for them, but as Jesus says, we shake off the dust and move on down the road. Sometimes it's simply knowing that you have the freedom to move on from a situation that gives you the strength to keep in that situation. Um, so I, I give up something for Lent every year. It's how I was raised. It's one of those things that matters to me. It may not be how you were raised. And adding something in at Lent is also a wonderful thing to do. It's a change, and it's going to take practice, and you're going to have to make yourself do it. So I give up um, meat and chocolate. So I try to give up something that um, is hard for me, but doesn't make me feel hateful, because <laughs> you know, that isn't the point, right? Um, but what makes me find it easier to do is that I know that it's only six weeks. And so it makes it easier for me to stick with the change, because I know there's an end in sight. Does that make sense? So during Lent is the perfect time for us to wrestle with the scripture, to try to figure out what it means, to recognize that, that yes, God wants us to change our hearts. He wants genuine change for us. But that there is a time when he will act, and we don't know when that is. So it's a time for us to um, set aside hypocrisy, set aside our problems, set aside as much as we can to really lean into God's love to help us change and grow. This is a time where we can evaluate where we need to improve and where we need to go in our lives in the season of Lent. So I wanted to share just this little prayer I found with you as a final word. Um, if you'll bow your heads with me. Ash Wednesday has come and gone, and we sadly admit, O oh God, that some of the promises we made to you on that day have fallen by the wayside. We pledged to spend daily time with you in prayer, and the busyness of our days has taken the place of time we vowed to spend quietly with you. Our determination to read your word each day has been pushed aside by emails demanding our attention. We pledged to change the way we live our lives during Lent, and here we are, already off course. In these moments of quietude, O oh God, help us to pick up the cross and try again. Our determination might lag, but you do not. Our goals might change, but you do not. In the sure knowledge of your constant love and certain presence with us as we journey to Jerusalem and beyond, we offer our gratitude and commitment to follow in the footsteps of your Son, Jesus the Christ. Amen. If you please stand and sing our closing song.
Change our hearts, Lord. Send us forth. Help us seek truth. Help us to give love. Help us to use our time to show the world who you are. Help us to seek genuine change for our hearts and lives. Amen.